This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, welcome into Mackie and Judd post 4th of July weekend. And there's already a ton of breaking news surrounding the Minnesota Twins and Major League Baseball that we're going to get into. Also, it's a random season recall Monday. We'll see if Judd and I can uh, tap into the dark corners of our Minnesota sports brains as Declan tries to quiz us on random seasons from the past. But a huge thank you to Luther Brookdale Toyota for helping keep the lights on here. Four months of no sports, but we're pumping out daily content on Mackie and Judd and on Purple Daily. And Luther Brookdale Toyota is pumping out great deals on vehicles right now. Summer is here. We've had like 85 to 95 degree weather for two weeks straight, basically. And uh, to celebrate the arrival of summer, uh, Luther Brookdale Toyota is giving you 0% finance, 0% interest for 60 months on all certified pre-owned Camrys and RAV4s. All hybrids also have 0% financing as well for you to save a little gas and save a little money. I can vouch for these people and these vehicles. This has been my go-to place since I turned 16 years old, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago. I don't want to think about it, but these people have been staples in my life for a long time and my family. So 694 Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Chad on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Uh, where they will be in exactly three weeks when, you know, whenever we hit opening day, tough to know. No, no way to know what a pitch count might be, how many innings a guy might throw. But I think some guys will be close to being built up by that. I've been doing some adjustment on my routine day by day for obviously my best position in the end of the season. But right now we only have like a half a season, maybe less. So I don't want to use any excuse and anything, just try to be ready every game when I go down. Rocco Baldelli and Jose Barrios talking after the Twins' first couple of workouts about Jose Barrios and... Uh, and what his arm feels like and all those things. And those are great logistical things to think and talk about until you see the news that's coming down this Monday morning. And by the time some people listen to this episode of Maggie and Judd, there might even be more on top of this news. But so far today, gentlemen, the Washington Nationals and the Houston Astros, so both teams that participated in last year's World Series, have canceled today's workouts. The Oakland A's the Angels and the Cardinals are all also awaiting to see if they cancel their workouts today because as Major League Baseball, players and owners spent two months trying to figure out what to do with a $10 billion chunk of pie that was going to be shrunk down to like $7 billion 
they didn't clearly set up enough of a COVID testing system. And so all of the test results that they've been waiting for since intake late last week, four days ago, are still pending. So they've they, so these teams have tested every player, coach, manager, etc., personnel, equipment people, right? And they've gotten no results back. Most of these teams, and so they are now saying we don't feel safe working out. Therefore, we're going to delay workouts. Major League Baseball, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic job. It, it's great, and this is why when they were fighting over money at this point publicly, it made no sense because. The news that you just gave us, Phil Mackey, is not surprising. Like, we are dealing with, it, it remains a Hail Mary pass that any team that's, or any sport that's not going into a bubble is going to get its season done, right? Football and baseball, to me, are Hail Mary shots. I'm not saying they won't start, but there is a big chance that they won't get done. And so, again, in baseball's case, to have fought this fight that was so ultimately and likely unnecessary is what makes no sense. Everything should have been focused around if we are going to return to play in 2020, how can we do it in the safest way possible, right? Not, okay, let's talk about big picture issues and let's uh, piss each other off for essentially a month and a half or two months. So, what you're saying doesn't surprise me because we talked about testing. We don't know how much testing is feasible to be done quickly. We don't know that in the country, and we certainly don't know that when it comes to specific businesses and sports, no matter how powerful baseball might think that it is at this point. So what I don't understand is why did we go through all of this and why people who supposedly have common sense, why could they not see the only thing that they should have been focused on in the spring was essentially going through the protocols and asking one logical question. If we're not going into a bubble, is this even feasible? Yeah. I mean, like, right. It's not shocking, though, that you've got maybe the worst commissioner in the history of baseball. Like, I don't know much about the commissioners from like the 19 aughts, so I can't rank them. Mountain Landis might not have been that good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't if know. If you read like, the recent reports about him. So, Rob Manfred, I, I can only really compare you to the three commissioners, including yourself, that uh, that have been around during my lifetime. But when you see just how terribly that negotiation was handled publicly for two months, it's also not surprising that Tony Clark and Rob Manfred would have botched the leadership of, of COVID testing. So, anyways, like, we'll figure that out. I, it, this is either going to completely derail baseball's attempt at spring training 2.0 um, or or it'll get fixed and test results will come in so that these guys can get tested every two or three days or whatever needs to happen. But Judd, you were at the ballpark. Target Field did have workouts going on. I went on on Friday, day one. Yes, sir. So you were there and yes. uh, we've got a list of things to go through, but I think we should start with the most important thing in your twins spring training 2.0 notebook. Yes. You flooded the Target Field press box bathroom apparently on Friday. Yeah. So here's uh, what happened. Yeah. And which was it a urinal? Is it urinal? It oh, oh, yeah. Okay. No, no, okay. no. It was okay. not the most disgusting, but it was. How can I put this? Alarming. It was shocking. So I went in and used urinal two. I believe there's from the left or the right. There's four of them. <laughs> oh, okay. So no, no, no. I'm sorry. So it would be from the right urinal two. Okay. So, so there's there's the left one. I prefer the far left. Two middle one. Just give me as far away. Okay. Other people well, first of all, yeah. first of all, not lots of people there. So bathroom completely empty as I walk in. So my choice. Okay. 
So, uh, you know, no, no uncomfortable, okay, this guy's here, so I'm going to move two down, right? Like, I've got the world is my oyster. But, but, but you're saying you walk up to four empty urinals and you're picking one of the two middle ones? Yeah, I just picked one of the you're two middle ones. You're not picking an oh, end one? Gosh, that's a bold move there. Because then yeah, it's, no, if, if, no, someone, no. If, if two other people I, come in mathematically, to, they have to, one of them has to stand But my you. point is there, there were not enough people in the press box for that to be a problem. Okay. Game-wise, game-wise, I'm probably going far right. But that's during a game. This is this is a socially distanced press box workouts, no problem. Anyway, so and the urinal, you know, the choice at the urinal that you always have is very very simple to flush or to leave it. These are manual flushers too, I believe, yes, aren't they? They are. Yeah, they put the manual they flushers. Are. Yes, I feel like the manual flushing urinals, even when Target Field was built in 2010, was a little old school. Was that a was that a cheap pole ads corner and cutting it's all maneuver? Like recycled water too. That's a question that you'd have to ask the twins. It's recycled right there. water. I know, like they're from what the other bathrooms and sink. Like all, like seventy percent of their the water X, is recycled. Do we take? That I know their the sinks X? are recycled. Like they take all the water and it just it's repurposed. It's recycled. It's like most. I don't know what it's the word green. would be. Yeah, it's very, very green ballpark. Yeah. Okay, it's yeah. good. So anyway, so so to flush or not to flush, but to not flush is yeah, that's got no class. That's got no class to it. So I decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to flush. Now this has happened to me before, but it's always been fixable. I flush and it geysers. So I get the. Now, now the fixable element. Wait, 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 wait. It geysers like like water shot up in the air. It's geysering out of the thing. It's it's just a stream. Like of Yellowstone. Did, did like, it get yes. on you? Yes. Oh no! It got on my yes. It got on my shoes oh. and my and well, fortunately, I had shorts on, so it didn't get on the the bottom of my pants. But it would have splashed up. But anyway, so it's coming out. A mask. Ooh. A mask ain't saving you from that. No, by the way. no, it's not. So, but ordinarily, you know, the trick is to man up and grab the flusher and and thrust it upwards to hopefully. Um, stop that, right? That That is. That's what you do? Yeah. I didn't know that. Because <laughs> it gets stuck sometimes. Was so it if you stuck get or it, was it back to neutral position? Well, that's the thing. I realized when I grabbed it, it was not stuck. So now we got a problem. <laughs> now we've got Minnehaha Falls in Target Field. <laughs> Dude, that's disgusting. And Judd's oh, got gross. no fix. And so, you just emptied a full tank of J- Judd juice? Judd juice? <laughs> <laughs> that's disgusting. No, man. No. Yes. I mean, that's just so gross. Anyway, so it is all over your shoes. and stuff. Okay. So hold on a second. (laughs) So this is coming out at a great rate. And now this is the type of thing that if you are probably, I would say 20 up to about 23, you just leave and hope. Right. Yeah. Oh, I would have left. It's just embarrassing. I would have left. And you, 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 are you the leave guy. the ballpark at you that point. Right? Yeah, I would have left. You pick the up your computer. You go to your desk. You never position, come back. You quit. You your pick job. up your computer. You put it in your backpack. You Been leave there. the ballpark and hope that nobody saw you go in said bathroom. But at 50, I went right to, to the PR guy. And no! I'm like, Yeah. And I'm like, dude, that bathroom, man. We're now, never coming back. Now, because of the fact, the key was, I believe that. It's the fact that the ballpark has not been used, that bathroom probably in months, and they probably didn't go through and check them it's, anyway. It's very likely, I don't know what their protocol is, but it's very likely you were the first person to use that bathroom. That's the very first person to use that um, for sure, urinal, for sure. Twins Fest maybe had that bathroom open. Maybe. So for sure, since like it's and been maybe six not. months since someone used right. that bathroom. That's a problem. That is a recipe for disaster. Wow. 
So, so I tell them, and of course, PR guy goes and looks, and I just hear a "oh," <laughs> <laughs> which of course I'm not surprised by. So I go back and sit down. So bathroom, just for the for the perspective of how this works, bathroom in the way back a press box. Okay, this thing is flooding the floor quickly. Carpet in play once you get out of the bathroom, as both of you guys know. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in row. I'm in row two of the press box on the bathroom side. Okay. Okay. Yep. By the time the workout was over, was it up to your waist? Well, that's what I was worried about. Did you have a snorkel? So I go sit down. Uh-huh. I go sit down and do my work. I'm doing my work. Judd Zolgad's the new bringer of brains. Yes, I am. You take that, Josh Donaldson. So I go and sit in my seat. And every once in a while, as I'm working, I peek to my left to see if a stream of water is starting to come into the press box, because then we're in trouble. Then I'm bailing. I'm literally, I'm literally, I'm not going to bail water. I'm literally going to bail out. I'm envisioning a scene from like, like in Titanic, where they're down in the bowels of the ship as it's sinking, yeah, yeah. and water breaks through the hallways. I'm yes. envisioning like, yes. like this COVID-infested, oh. urine-filled water breaking the oh, door I like open the Titanic and just down more. the hallway of the press I box. I love you, Lavelle. <laughs> it's been great, Ricey. Um, so anyway, so I'm sitting there. And fortunately, I never see the stream, no pun intended, or flow of the water come into the press box Boy. on said carpet. But but what I do hear is panic in the back of the press box as the twins PR guy is trying to find a person who clearly can stop this. And finally you wanna at, get into you want to get into public relations for a for a professional yeah, team. This, yeah, is, this is great job is like finally about ten minutes into this or more, probably about ten, I hear we've shut off the water. <laughs> The next thing I know, this, this nice young gal is back there, and the Hoover vacuum, you know, the shop thing. Vac, yeah. Yeah, the shop vac is uh, soaking up the damage, which Dude. I'm sure was fairly extensive because it had to have leaked onto the first part of the carpet that was directly outside the men's room. But it, that was my Friday. And again, like Dex, if I was 25 or so, been, I would have been gone. I'm gone. No, I would have left. But already. I, but I, at 50, I'm like, I, gotta I don't tell know. Him. Like the shame. And it's, and it's not my fault. Like I'm, I feel guilty, but it's not my fault. I didn't screw this up. This thing was just ripe to go. I mean, the shame so in, in non COVID times, the shame of something like this happening. I know. And then you having to go tell someone who well, works for the twins, like, all right, uh, I think I may have just flooded the bathroom. But then like the added level of uncomfortability. Knowing that everyone's on it, everyone looks at everyone else as if they are potentially carriers of an infectious and or lethal disease, right? And, and did you like ask to see whoever it was one on one, or did you just go in front of the row and everyone heard you clear as day say, "Hey, I flooded the bathroom"? Like, how did you go about the etiquette of that? Uh, I walked right down to where the guy was stationed. Now, the difference now is is one, the press box certainly was not filled, and two, because of social distancing, no one, no one can hear me. Because, like, the next person is way down. So, like, the press box has people, but they're all socially distanced by a lot. And so the person, the conversation that, that I'm having, unless you were to really eavesdrop, can't be heard. Yeah. Wow. So that was my wow. Friday. Job, that was my Friday. And I did. I felt guilt. And then I realized, why do I feel guilt? This isn't really my fault. 
<laughs> so I flooded. So oh my God. welcome back to Target Field. Oh, my God. It might be the last time I flush. Amazing. At a urinal. Amazing. Now, um, just thank God it was not a toilet. Can you imagine the story if this was a toilet? Oh, my God. Well, yeah, now, because, now because, then, because then you would have had, like, you would have had. Is, like, I don't want to go there. I'm just trying to think of like feel free to go there. Depending on the nature and the the consistency of your trip to there's no good way that that one ends (laughs) zero. There is no I mean, this at least it's gross, but it's not the the ultimate because the Declan because the twins elected to put in manual hand flushing urinals. You're blaming the twins. Ultimately, like you are the one that pulled the handle and flooded the bathroom. Yeah. This is where if it's if it's the the electronic you then know no sensing toilet and you yeah. walk away listen like you didn't do, you didn't do anything I know you didn't you just oh, walked, you walked away it. so you're blaming the twins no I'm I'm partially I, I, blaming you yeah because you're the one that pulled the hand I know right that's what I'm saying from now so, on boy. urinals I might be done so what else was it like at the ballpark I mean these <laughs> oh, I guys don't know. I just Mrs. left Lincoln I just left. but like were players wearing masks like I saw yes. this footage like guys are yes. wearing masks during so they're all being fairly safe right they just don't have their test results back yes until they start to so until they actually start to play uh, and and play catch and start to practice a, a lot of guys it seemed to me took off their masks their facial wear at that point but I think so the workout on Friday was supposed to start at two o'clock started around three o'clock. It's done in groups now, and the first group was largely pitchers, and they came out in masks. A lot of them took them off, but they've got that ballpark now so uh, so rigged up for these workouts that a lot of the guys initially, or a few of them, went up the stairs in right field to the concourse and worked out, like did their... So they were like exercising or stretching or throwing. So they're like standing outside thing. the Tonio's Cuban sandwich. That's exactly stand right. They're by, yeah. by, they're by the old shock top stand now. Wow. Yeah. They're up there. Some players stayed on the field. Some guys obviously went to the bullpen, uh, but they have guys spread out by a, a ton. Um, and I guess, you know, we can basically go there and watch from the press box. And then all the press conferences are done on zoom. Uh, but from what Baldelli was saying as well, the locker room and, and clubhouse has been completely changed or changed a, a lot. I believe that the food is now being served in the Champions Club. So players go from the clubhouse to the Champions Club to eat. This is a different world. This this is why I come back to, I appreciate what they're doing, but there's no way that you can look at what's being done and say 60 game season World yeah. Series, and and that that's not a fault thing. That that is a reality. Well, I'm reading some of the stuff that's coming out here, and I don't know what the details are. There there hasn't been anything like this, like what I'm about to read, come out from the Twins side. But I would assume that like these teams are all trying to figure this out as they go along. It's very obvious that yes. That's the, the, the owners led by Rob Manfred and the players led by Tony Clark. It's it's. I get that this is unprecedented, and there's nothing. It's not like, oh, well, this is what we did ten years ago when this happened. Let's just do it again. Right? They're literally trying to create protocol, and and in some cases bring in safety gear um, that they just have never had to think about before. So I'm not saying that this is easy by any means, but I, I am saying that they had three months to think about this and to plan for this, and it just seemed like they were so hung up on the money side of things and having a public negotiation. And so now, so Britt Garoli used to cover the the Baltimore Orioles. Now I believe uh, she covers the Nationals for MLB.com. Mm-hmm. And um, actually the Athletic and MLB Network. And she tweeted out, this is before Mike Rizzo, the general manager of the Nationals, 
sent his own statement out saying, we don't feel safe enough. We haven't gotten test results back. We're just going to shut practice down. And that's down. the GM. Correct. Uh, Brick Garoli says the Nationals have also not received the PPE gear they were supposed to have, yeah. Sean Doolittle said. This includes N95 masks and gloves. Coupled with the testing delays, this is not good. And then shortly after, Mike Rizzo sent out a statement that says this. Per MLB's protocol, all players and staff were tested for COVID on Friday, July 3rd. So that was three days ago. 72 hours later, we have not yet received the results of those tests. We cannot have our players and staff work at risk. Therefore, we have canceled our team workout scheduled for this morning. We will not sacrifice the health and safety of our players, staff, and their families. Without accurate and timely testing, it is simply not safe for us to continue with summer camp. Major League Baseball needs to work quickly to resolve issues with their process and their lab. Otherwise, summer camp and the 2020 season are at risk. Mike Rizzo, president of baseball operations, Washington Nationals. Uh, And now you've got the Astros following suit as we set off the top of the show. And you've got three or four other teams that are kind of saying, yeah, we haven't gotten results yet either. I'm guessing the Twins. And guys are testing positive. Miguel Sano has tested you know positive. What, though, Phil, I really think. Declan gets a bunch of write-that-down points. Yeah, nice job, Dex. <laughs> I really think if um, if baseball hadn't pissed people off so much, right? Like, let's say, let's say they had said, this is going to be tough. We're not going to bicker. We're not going to fight. We're, we're going to come back and try. I think. What you're going through right now would, would be met with, well, that really stinks and is too bad, but there would be... There'd be some forgiveness. If, if Yeah, I, I was going to say uh, potentially sympathy. That's probably not the right word. But yes, there there would be some, you know what, this is tough. I get that. But I really think that baseball cost itself any um, ability to have that by the fact that they did hang this thing up for essentially two months with nothing but fighting. Yeah. And and now we're all like, you guys are bozos. They baseball for the last what now four months or so, at every turn has looked like selfish, greedy brats. Yes. And so so now there's no benefit of the doubt of of course this is going to be tough. It, it was July fourth. It probably you know the, the test c- coming back is not as quick as you would potentially like. All of those excuses that we might have made for baseball at that time. I think are now gone because we're just also frustrated, rightfully so, with how everything was handled by these people. Yeah. Uh, MLS, too, news came out this weekend. Well, Colorado, Colorado Rapids. So their first game is supposed to be Thursday. They were originally going to fly out. Like they canceled flights because they had too many people test positive. And so they're going to fly out the day before their first game yep. uh, in this tournament in Orlando. And then I saw some some other news from there's some teams that are already in Orlando. I might be butchering some of these details, but I know that they were supposed to have food delivered to their doors in their hotel rooms in order to maintain the bubble and quarantine. Yep. And that part of the equation had gone awry. And so you had these players all getting into elevators and going down to community cafeteria areas. And it's like and I get that like there's probably some people thinking, okay, well, like, yeah, welcome to life. This is COVID life. But but this is the problem. Like, if you're going to go forward with a season, yep. and whether or not guys get actual symptoms or not, like, if guys even contract the virus asymptomatically, mm-hmm. and they don't, they have to go away for two weeks, basically. And so, if you're if you're making players get into hotel elevators on a regular basis to get three meals a day, et cetera, like these are things that leagues have to think about now. And if any one of those things, whether it's testing results in a timely nature, or whether it's food delivery or whatever the 
structure is. Like if those things start to go awry, then this whole thing bringing back sports starts to look more doom and gloom. So the uh, report, I think it was last week now, was what the Dallas soccer team actually, I think, all tested negative in Dallas. They got to the bubble and like six of them were positive. Yeah. Also, See, like the tests aren't 100 percent well, accurate either, which is another layer to this. And how about this one, though? And this is this is part and parcel of the problem. So so hockey teams, I think right now are in uh, what they're referring to as phase two. OK, which means that they can work out together in groups and and training camp. If the uh, if everything's approved, I think this week is probably going to start next week at the earliest. But so right now. Hockey teams aren't quarantined. So so the Blues had to cancel practice last week and had an outbreak within their team because the Blues players went to a bar. Yeah. See, this is why, here's my question, though. Life in the COVID times right now, as we know it right now, okay? So I'm not predicting six months. But right now, is sports a good idea? Like, it feels like we are, it feels like we're not doing a very good job as a uh, Society, which we're not with this, right? So my question then becomes, should we really be forcing sports, which I want back? We all want back. Our livelihoods depend on sports. But I don't think it's unrealistic, Phil, to ask the question, is this really the time and place to try and ramrod this through? And this comes from a guy who wants sports back as bad yeah. as anybody. Uh, there's no great answer to it. I think the like if you start to compare where were we four months ago now, because the NBA shut down almost four months ago. It was like the, the, the first or second week in March, and now we sit here uh, the, the first or second week in July. And I think the biggest difference is we, just, we know a little bit more about how to be safe. I, I wouldn't say we know a ton about the actual virus, because there's still all kinds of, even from world health experts, and United States health experts, there's Agreed. still a lot of conflicting guidelines and how it can spread one way versus the other. So we're still gathering information. We still don't have a vaccine for it. But the one thing I think we are more comfortable with is, all right, if I wear a mask and you wear a mask or we socially distance from six to 10 feet apart, mm-hmm. we can limit the risk. We know that if you're under the age of 60 years old, you're much, much less likely to get hammered by this thing or die from this thing. We didn't necessarily know that. At the beginning of March, so like we we know more, we know enough to at least have open stores again and open. But like, but to your question, it just feels like because each state has taken a different approach, and each team is coming from a different state, and each league is coming at it from a different perspective. Whether it's bubble, like everything happens in Orlando versus baseball, which is going to travel to different cities, it just doesn't feel like there's enough great leadership in these leagues that knows exactly what they should or shouldn't do for this thing to go off without a hitch, without seasons getting derailed. Like I think, I think seasons are going to start. Yeah, sure. I would be shocked if seasons finished, honestly, like I would be shocked if seasons are you, finished at this point. How is this going to work, especially in the case of uh, football and baseball with teams traveling? How is this going to work? There is no way that you are going to, be able to keep everybody in their hotel room constantly. And here's the problem. It takes one person to go out. Like, that's that's the thing about this. Yeah. It takes one person to decide to go out, and they get sick, and they, they go, go in even probably socially distanced in the clubhouse, and then they spread it to one person, and now you've got a problem. That, that's why I just, it feels to me 
that we were so anxious to get back to, well, let's just get back to things, right? And there are probably certain things where you can run your risks, and it might not be smart, but people might not die. You might be fine. Um, But organized sports, as we know them, are an issue. Because, again, if you have it go through one team, are they just done? Are their games canceled for two weeks and they're forfeited? Like, what are we going to do there? And I just don't see how if you are going to decide, damn it, we are going to play in stadiums around the country and it's going to be normal, normal, normal. <laughs> this virus doesn't care. Like, sport, sports are built partially, in my mind, in on intimidation of things, right? We are going to ramrod through and we're going to play our games, right? Right? We're going to do this, damn it. We are the biggest, but we are the National Football League and you're not stopping us. Well, you've run into something that doesn't give a crap about that. Well, the and the NFL is at least has the luxury of watching baseball, soccer, hockey, and basketball go first, and then they can gather information and then go about. Now, now, training camp is likely to start before the NBA's first game back starts because I think training camp is still going to happen. It's I mean we haven't gotten dates yet, but you know, last week in July, yeah, I think July twenty eighth, July thirtieth is so. when they're supposed to report for. Yeah. Uh, for football to train camp. So we'll see. Uh, but as you as you started talking about um, COVID and ramifications, I do have something to add that wasn't initially on my list for quarantine discoveries. Okay. I, I rediscovered something, and it was a very Larry David-like moment oh, right. on the 4th of July. I got to run by. I know Declan has at least one quarantine discovery. I have a lot. It's a good weekend. So quarantine discoveries and random season recall are going to happen here uh, a quick thank you to Federated Insurance and Federated Insurance and, and the work that they do raising money for Big Brothers Big Sisters, which uh, I've gotten a chance personally to find out a lot more information about the work Big Brothers and Big Sisters has done over the past 100 plus years, not only in Minnesota, but across the 253 agencies all over the country in all 50 states. So Big Brothers and Big Sisters is the oldest and largest youth mentoring organization in the country. They support one-to-one mentoring relationships that really ignite the power and promise of young people here in the state of Minnesota and around the country. And they believe that by investing in our kids, we strengthen our communities. Little brothers and little sisters do better in school, are more likely to attend college. Uh, and that's and that's because of the impacts of one-to-one mentoring. It goes beyond academic success as well. They make better decisions in life, have stronger social-emotional skills, which is something that I think we should probably focus more uh, just in, in normal schooling as well, social and emotional intelligence, and, and those things can be predictors of success. So Big Brothers and Big Sisters, if you want to find out more about uh, how you can get involved or how Federated is involved, federatedchallenge.org, federatedchallenge.org. Stuck in the house all weekend. No sports to watch. It makes Mackie, Judd, and Rami something, something. Oh, crazy? Don't mind if I do! <laughs> well, okay, not quite. At least not yet. It's time for Mackie, Judd, and Rami's Quarantine Discoveries. All right, every Monday we go through anything that we would have discovered, whether it's entertainment, TV shows, or anything else in life, or rediscoveries, we could, we could almost call this, because mine are rediscoveries. At least one of them is for sure. Mm-hmm. Things that we have discovered or rediscovered that we uh, that we otherwise wouldn't have if not for this quarantine life we've all been mostly living the last four months or so. So, uh, Declan, you've got a few. You yeah, got at least a couple. Yeah. I want to start you guys off with one because I feel like it. 
I almost need you guys to be therapists for me on this one. No problem. All right. Be careful till he mentions it. I rediscovered a handshake on the 4th of July. Oh, no, Phil. I rediscovered a handshake on the 4th of July. Wow. A therapist. And I want to talk through this. All right. I'd kick your ass if I was not afraid that <laughs> I would get the, the COVID. You're one of the biggest germaphobes I know, and this is pre-COVID. I know. Hold on. Well, you can imagine, like, psychologically how it impacted me in the minutes and hours after the fact. So, <laughs> Joe, that mask ain't going to help you. I should put the mask on. Mine's in my car. No, I got to <laughs> stay away from you. Mine's in my car. So, let's talk this out. Okay. So, first of all, in the days leading up to the 4th of July, for like three days, my wife and I, we went up to, we essentially went up to where we didn't get cell phone reception for days. Nice. Uh, I didn't check email for like three days. We went up to Grand Marais, Grand Portage. We stayed, we stayed at a lodge, which, and, and it was very well cleaned. Like they didn't, en- they clean it. They didn't enter your room for three days. And like, it was amazing. Everything cool. was well done. Um, and we're just like out exploring the outdoors. So we're basically near nobody for like three days, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. Just how we want. Mm-hmm. And so we come back and every year we have a couple friends who have a house on Lake Minnetonka. Not one of those big mansions, but like a nice size house with a big backyard and it leads right up to the lake. And every year they have a 4th of July gathering. It's a lot of fun and like people can be spaced out and stuff. And so we go and say, let's, let's, we'll swing down there for a couple hours. Like we'll bring our own cooler. We can we can sit in our chairs. It's it's we'll be outside and it'll be great. It's super nice weather. We want to see our friends, right? And like you go to these gatherings and like sometimes there's people there that you've never met before, and so you you introduce to them, right? Yeah. So this scenario plays out where uh, my wife and I are sort of walking up, and everyone's kind of like standing in the backyard, but standing like like if you're next to your wife or husband or whatever, like you're next to each other, but everyone's trying to like. Maintain a distance yeah, to some extent, right? Makes sense, yeah. And so, our friends who who own the house introduced us to a guy who was there with his kid running around, and like the guy's got his swim trunks on, his shirt off, and like he's got a tattoo and stuff. He's like, yeah, he's loving life on the Fourth of July, right? And uh, and so, hey, uh, have you guys met Phil and Jana? Oh no, like, hey, I'm Phil, I'm Jana, and this guy. Uh-huh. Steps right in, like as confidently as you can, like steps right in and goes, hey, I'm Steve. Oh, no. And he puts his hand, like puts oh, his hand no. right in the kitchen. Like it's right. It's literally like <laughs> right there. All I have to do is like no, move no. my hand forward two or three inches. And I couldn't tell, like, is Steve making a statement by doing this? Like, is right. Steve reaching his arm, his hand out as if to say, like. Nope. Screw COVID. November third. I know everything. what I'm doing. Like, I, 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 I couldn't tell. Four more years. Four more years. I don't know. Or is he saying, "Hey, like it's Fourth of July. Like I'm just a guy, you know, who's had a couple <laughs> beers. Had a couple cocktails. I've had a couple right. cocktails." Oh, yeah. And he reaches his hand out, and so like ordinarily, I would eschew the handshake, and I would just like go in for an elbow, or just like, oh. And so, hey. as this is happening, like. My entire world slows down. So I'm seeing all this like Neo from the Matrix, like, oh, my God. Uh, and I'm and I'm running through all the scenarios like, do I do I go elbow and blow it off? Do I just say, oh, no, dude, like I'm not going to touch your hand yeah. or do or I, I had hand sanitizer in my pocket or do I just like not be rude, shake the hand real quick. And I just kind of panicked. I admittedly kind of panicked and I shook his hand. Mm. I shook his hand. Wow. And the conversation, so then he, you know, he stepped back to his like safe zone 
And we stood there and we just had like, I don't know, like a 10 minute conversation, like whatever. We just small talked and then we we got onto a couple subjects and we talked for like 10 minutes. The entire 10 minutes, I thought about my right hand. Like my right hand was just dangling down it was as if it was on fire. Like it just sat there. I didn't, I didn't move it. I had my drink in my left hand. I was just like only half paying attention to the things that he was saying <laughs> in the conversation. And all I could think about was the minute I see a pause or a break in this, I have to get away to quote unquote, go get another drink just so I can slather my right hand in. Did he hand sanitizer, did, which I did, by the way, did he and then I washed it and then I hand sanitized again. So shake your hand because he had sort of forgotten about the rules of engagement now. And did you get a sense that he regretted the gesture as it was happening? He did not regret it. He seemed like a super nice guy. That doesn't okay. mean. Uh, yeah, that's he very did not. Concerning. He did not seem to be like, you know, some Neanderthal like. Uh, like you think works, if you for, hadn't, works for a decent company that I like, I won't reveal you, too many details. Do but. you think? It, do you think if you had objected to said handshake, that this guy would have the tune would have changed a little bit, and he might have been a little bit put off? As I in, don't. I, that's that, that's why I panicked because I didn't like. We just showed up to this party. Oh, it's boy. not our place. Mm-hmm. We're just looking. To, like we brought our own cooler. We're just looking to have a pretty good time socially distance. This is how it happens, Declan. And I didn't want to be the guy that walks in to another person's party, meeting yeah. a friend of the Miguel person who lives there. Said the same thing. I think you could have totally just been like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm not going to shake your hand. I know. I feel like you totally. Could I know. Have gone, and I know it's a bi- it's a bang bang play, right? You were you were living in the moment. <laughs> bang, I, bang, I get it. Like you got to make the decision right yeah, there. I, and the I, I panicked a little bit. It was my first handshake. <laughs> Since like February, yeah, that's yeah, such a bad idea. And you, I are, haven't shaken anyone's hand in, in five months. And you months. are Mister Don't Shake Hands, yeah. right? I'm a fist more guy. so than me. Yeah. I will. And I have been for a long time. I will very rarely like be the one that initiates a handshake. I'll yeah. give you the fist bump. Or you just, know what? I just realized something because this is a a realistic problem for years to come, probably because there are going to be people who uh, forget and shake hands, right? Yeah. Or there's going to be guys who are just like <laughs> we are still shaking hands. You know what this calls for? Double fisting constantly. What do you, what do you mean? Elaborate. Two, quickly. Quickly. Two drinks. Oh, okay. A drink in each okay. hand. A double okay. fisting. A double okay. fisting. Like, like Edward it's, a podca- it's a podcast. So it I is. Still. But if you have a drink in, in each hand, you are unable, unable to shake hands for sure. That's probably the good play because we we brought like nine white claws in a yeah. cooler. That's what I'm like, saying. I could have easily but had if you two gone of them, white claw, you know? white claw. You'd be like, oh, dude, I'm sorry, I got sorry, bro. two claws. And claws are good in this sense. I will g- give you this: claws are good in this sense. Claws go down quickly, right? Yep. And they're not like, oh yeah, it's not like a very lager beer. Yeah. So like you could slam a couple claws and then double claw again. You could, or I, you I or do it all the time. You could also just use one of the claws. You, one of them could literally be an empty yeah, can. Yeah, could be. It okay. could just be a prop. I'm just Keep saying. Going. I didn't think of this till now, but this is a real problem for years to come. Actually, the next time I go to a backyard gathering, I'm just going to go all out. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the duct tape yeah. two Colt forty fives. I'm gonna do Edward forty hands. <laughs> Edward forty hands. Claw hands. Edward yep. claw hands. I will sacrifice my bladder. Philip claw hands to not even run in the risk of of yeah. shaking hands. But like, no, yeah, but dude, like easy. he stepped up like. You know, we were, you know, six, eight feet, ten feet away, whatever it was. And, like, he stepped, like, boom, boom, like, one, two step right into my kitchen and was like, hey, I'm Steve. Good to meet you. And I was like, ah, oh, what do I do? What did your wife do? What did Jonna do? 
Same thing. Double handshake. Oh, okay. oh yeah. man. Yeah. Well, both have it. Your whole household's yeah. infected yeah. now. Yeah. Poor Tommy. We both, yeah, we went, Tommy and Tigger. Yeah. We went with the, the hand sanitizer, and it was, it was a good move. So. All right. Uh, I've got another quarantine discovery, but I've taken too much of the floor here. So, Declan, you go next. Uh, I have a few, yeah. yeah. I discovered a phenomenal chicken sandwich over the weekend, actually, is where I'm going to lead with this. You know, um, so where the Fitz was on Selby, they, the handsome hog moved in. It's a Justin Sutherland restaurant. And it's like 95 degrees. Okay, it's a very hot day. They have a great patio out. In fact, they close the patio at 2 to like re-sanitize, then open it back up for dinner. It's very actually good. a great little policy. Safe, yeah. Everything is stationed out. And it also is, so it's Southern-style cooking. And I despise mayonnaise-based Southern or mayonnaise-based barbecue foods in the Midwest. Like may- mayonnaise coleslaw is awful. If you have add vinegar-based coleslaw, it will change your life. If you have never had it before, okay. And I fell in love with this insane hot chicken sandwich that had spicy and sweet pickles. I had a couple, Mos- uh, actually Irish mules, not Moscow mules. That's whiskey instead of vodka for you people who don't know. And it was one of the best hot lunches I have had. I had been sweating very well, the, profusely. The, the hot lunch is an aggressive play it during is. this. It is, period but, here. but the Moscow mule kind of offset it a little bit. Ooh, in this and this heat, and it was, it was, it was phenomenal. Mm. It was a great patio day. It was Friday. Judd was at Target Field. Um, I was posting things with a hot chicken sandwich and Moscow mule from a patio spot. It Did was a great. hell of a job. And Declan. look at me. Nice look work. Nice work. That's my first Still discovery. Great shape. Right, Judd, any quarantine discoveries for you? Yeah, I want to talk about one that that was. Um, it it happens around my area in SLP, of course, or around the fourth. But it took off this year, and I think it was worse in some areas outside of of mine. But I want to talk about the fascination with fireworks. Okay, yeah. and setting off fireworks constantly, and we love fireworks. Does any other country love fireworks like, uh, like we do? China, right? Doesn't China? I have no China idea. Loves fireworks, but China what happened? Fireworks. I get the I get the old infatuation with like sparklers and stuff, which which mm-hmm. of course have been around for a long time. Um, but now it seemed like since since um, I think basically. The fireworks displays were put on hold by a lot of people and a lot of uh, places this year due to the COVID. It seems like we just went all in with people buying fireworks and setting them off. Yeah, I uh, saw a highlight video somewhere on like Instagram of just Los like Angeles people blowing in- themselves up with fireworks. But one of the, but one of God. the, so so not too far away from where we live. Of course, somebody set their garage on fire and it burned down. I believe natural selection. We call that, but. What's the deal? Like, are fireworks that great? Do we no. really need that many fireworks? And my dog doesn't eat care. I, I see uh, tweets about people whose dogs are scared and, do- and yeah, the dogs animals are forget, crying. Yeah. Tommy the my, cat freaks out. Stella doesn't even give a damn. I'm just saying this from a perspective of what? Yeah, we're, I think I think the, we are we are entertained oddly by fireworks and parades more than more than I would personally. And why are why is that yeah, the case? Parades. Parades are awful. (laughs) Parades are a waste of the only parade worth having is if your team wins a legitimate championship. Okay, or then it's fine if someone's throwing tootsie rolls off of one of the floats. That would be the other. Tootsie rolls are overrated. Whoa, tootsie rolls completely overrated. Uh Whoa, they they get stuck to the roof of your mouth. Uh Not that good. Here we go. Hot 
Take Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in hot take court. Yeah, you take that back. They get stuck to the roof of your mouth and they get stuck in maybe your teeth. Maybe you're eating and it wrong. takes a it takes an act of flossing God to get them out. <laughs> Tootsie rolls are t- far more work than they are ultimately worth. worth it. I that is a one hundred percent belief. I think on my part, part of the problem is if you get like kind of the, the older stale Tootsie rolls where they're too crunchy and hard, okay, then they well, stick your risk, teeth. Yes, that's disgusting. But if it's the middle of the summer so you're and they've been me, sitting on the hot pavement and they're a little softer, okay, they go down smooth. You're telling you're telling me a parade is worth having just if some buffoon on the parade float is throwing Tootsie Rolls off said float. Pre COVID. I'm not gonna grab Tootsie Rolls from some random throwing them off a float. I think that that post COVID-19 parades now. Steve. Hi, here's Tootsie Rolls. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're shaking. I love how you're Mr. Great, great, great guy, by the way. Great like, guy. Yeah, who cares? Like the last four years, four years, you've been Mr. Don't shake hands. That's sort of gross. That's I mean, true. four years. I panicked. And now, in I the, panicked. And now with this virus raging through society, <laughs> you're panicked. like, hey, Steve, nice to meet you. It was like the backup catcher came in and said uh, he gave me the deuce for a curveball. And I was like, I'll say this. Fastball. Right. Yeah. <laughs> If if COVID takes out parades and at least two, if not all four preseason football games, that's the good side of COVID. Okay, COVID's canceling things where I'm like, I don't mind COVID as much as I did yesterday. Yeah, yeah. If it cancels the preseason, I mean, I mean, I mean we're I down to two games Thirty thousand people have died, but we're we down. got rid of the preseason <laughs> games. So here we go. The NFL football. always works for the football, NFL, baby. Yes. What's your next one? Phil? All right, my next one, I. I rediscovered, or I guess you could say discovered, the Unsolved Mysteries reboot on Netflix over the weekend. Oh, my God. Such a creepy, amazing show. Now, Robert Stack was the creepy, like Robert Stack, longtime actor from Airplane and all these other movies. Robert Stack is the, so the sunken eyes, creepy host from the 90s. Trench coat, right? Trench coat. Yeah. He would always come out and he would introduce. Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to look deep into your soul. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> and so he uh, he passed away like 15 years ago. So they, they, they actually, couldn't get him back, huh? No, they couldn't, although they probably could have just propped him up like the Crypt Keeper. And, uh, he wanted too much. They did bring him, like they brought his photo in to like, he, they had like a silhouette of him in the intro. I gotta watch this, okay. So they kind of rebooted the song, just a more mellow version of the song, and uh-huh. they don't have a host. It's just six episodes uh, they're each an hour long instead of the old format where it was like, we're going to dive into four different things in the one hour episode. This is just one deep dive in each of the six episodes. Yeah, I want to tell you guys about I don't want to spoil it, but are you guys likely to watch this or no? no Declan's probably a little bit too young. I actually else. might. might yes. I will not. This sounds intriguing to me. So you're not. It's like it's a kind of a murder mystery mm-hmm. show. And those are usually I'm usually out on those. OK. Oh, me. I love a good murder Dude, mystery. Yeah. This really, is, Dex? I, I do not. It does not. You're get young. My off, no. This resembles so more of like a 2020 or a Dateline now than it did sure. before. Oh, Dateline, yeah, I love Dateline. So they have a bunch of murder mysteries. There's, there's a, I think there's a disappearance mystery, and then there's a UFO mystery as part of the six episodes. Mm. There's one in subtitles because it's a crime that happened in France, and I just wasn't ready to stare at subtitles for 45 minutes, so I didn't watch that episode. But episode one is about a man named Ray Rivera, who apparently, and this is how it was ruled initially in the early 2000s, like 2006. He fell to his death in a suicide. Again, this is how it was ruled initially. 
Okay. Off the top of the old creepy Belvedere Hotel in Baltimore. Now the Belvedere Hotel has been around for like a hundred mm-hmm. plus years. I uh, wasn't. Yeah. There's all kinds of mysterious deaths. If yeah. you look up the history, yep. this was no suicide. Super creepy. Or was it? He did. It. <laughs> ah, Keith Morrison. You got to bring Keith Morrison back for all this. Keith Morrison. Some might say he fell to his death. Yeah. Some some might say he was put on ice. The accommodations not first class. Yes. <laughs> and so this dude does and this is like a 15 20 story building mm. and there and he and he falls through they suspect the hole in this conference room so imagine like it's kind of a horseshoe building 15 20 stories and then there's a parking ramp across the street and then kind of in the middle area of the horseshoe it's like the second floor or third floor conference room with with a thin steel top and if you come from high enough you break through it which he did yeah but his sandals were on top of the roof, mostly intact, and his phone from two, his little like razor phone was Ooh. mostly intact. Okay. And so there was sort of some like, hmm, was this stage? Here. What happened here? There was no evidence that he would have been suicidal in any way. And so as the evidence starts to come out, the Baltimore Police Department ruled it a suicide. Yeah. The coroner's office said, actually, we don't have enough evidence to say it was a suicide. It feels like there might have been some foul play, so we're just going to leave it undetermined. But all the other clues and evidence pointed to an elaborate scheme that led to some sort of like murder or weird, like twisted game or plot. Mm -hmm. And the biggest now, this is where this is the beauty of Netflix and and like unsolved mysteries now compared to 25 years ago. Reddit and the Internet will help you solve these cases. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So right now, the last three or four days since this this came out like a week ago. Yep. Um, you've got all these people on the internet and all these articles that are just doing deep dives into what actually happened to Ray Rivera. And now Netflix is going to do a full series on just the first episode of Unsolved Mysteries. This is genius. Just on this one so guy. Awesome. That's pretty popular. That is genius. So, so the biggest clue is that the people are trying to figure out is he left a note taped to the back of his desktop computer in his home office. He left a note with like bizarre ramblings that connect to Freemasons. And a list of M. Night Shyamalan movies and other creepy conspiracy movies like The Game with Michael Douglas where somebody actually does fall off a roof or get pushed off the roof by his company. Yep. So there's like this. The main suspect here is his childhood best friend Mm. who runs essentially uh, an investing research company that got hit a million dollar fine by the SEC right around this time. So he was like trying to clean up his image and Ray Rivera was trying to help him clean up his image through writing and stuff. And so anyways, this dude, his childhood best friend, in 2006, they were both 30 years old. They've been friends for 15 years, okay? Ray Rivera commits suicide, quote-unquote, and dies. The last phone call that was traced to Ray Rivera was from childhood friend's office. Childhood friend, instead of speaking to authorities and putting out a statement, puts a gag order on all of his employees. Do not talk about this. Was Ray about to turn on them? Do we know? In some type of investigation? Dude, it was... I highly recommend... Did Ray have a life insurance I'll be honest, policy? I'm, I'm intrigued now. Uh, maybe he did. Do we uh, have a, a life insurance uh, policy the in play? Se- the second episode you know of, what, of Unsolved Mysteries was all about two different mysterious killings that involve life insurance policies. You see, so, what I, I want... you'd like this show. I, I, that sounds good. My favorite, though... Are ones that turn positively creepy. Oh yeah, like like where a person's killed in, in an old hotel and there is ghosts and all that. The stuff that scares you is the best. Yeah.
How about but this, this does sound good. So I went back after this was over. I, we watched like five episodes. We'll watch the other ones. And I, but I had a real hankering for the old Unsolved Mysteries. And you can find them all on Hulu. There's a couple of them. There's other like Roku platforms that have them. You can yep. find them. And I watched an episode yesterday. And it was, you know, Robert Stack. Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. It was this episode. The first 15 minutes were all about little kids from like the early 90s as proof that reincarnation exists like re like Judd dies. And then like 50 years later, he comes he back. Comes right? Declan, yeah. And so yeah. like they, they had these little like three, two and three and four year old kids that would not have gone to school yet or would have known anything about like war history. And they're like recounting detailed information about civil war battles. Yeah. I've like seen like some a three year old. Yeah. It's freaky. I've seen some of those. Mommy, mommy. This is no, where no, we were. This plane. is where we were. Yeah, yeah. I've oh, seen some of that's, those. Super that's really creepy, weird, dude. Yeah. So oh. now, wait. What? What was the John Walsh show then? John Walsh had a show about finding. That was uh, that was like top ten, like a criminal show. Yeah, America's about, Most Wanted about America. finding America's Most Wanted missing kids. I think it was America's stuff, Most right? Wanted. Yeah, yeah. That sounds accurate. So. That sounds pretty good though. So wait, now have have you seen uh, a show called The Keepers on Netflix? No, I'll watch it. Based in Baltimore, it's a five. Yes. It's a five part. I think it's a five parter about a nun who mysteriously was killed. Yes. And basically, nah, man. basically, Baltimore is a great place to base th- these shows because I would say, let me see, how can I describe this? Um, the stuff that I've seen about Baltimore and its police department, I think incompetent might be kind. Like, I think they're just like, oh, mm. we got to get to lunch. What should we call it? <laughs> Let's call it a suicide, Ted. Was it a nun who was it a nun who jumped off a building and killed herself? Or was it uh, was it an angry bishop? No, she was it her own sister. Act? Yeah, she, yeah <laughs> she had some bad habits. <laughs> yeah. See. Right, but anyway, th- those the are keepers your, on Netflix is fantastic. Those are your quarantine discoveries for the week here. Uh, let's jump into random season recall. Let's do it. I feel like my confidence is a little shaken the last couple weeks. We had a our wild a one last week twins. was not bad. The ninety nine twins was a disaster. It was ninety nine twins is a real tricky season. It's right between like disaster ninety <laughs> seasons. Aren't they and, all so the nineties are tricky. So a random season recall is where Declan brings up random Minnesota sports seasons and then quizzes Judd and I to see how much we recall about those seasons. All right, gentlemen, we do this. You ready? All right. If we're ready or not, it doesn't matter. Go ahead. All right. This week's edition of Random Season Recall, the 2002 Minnesota Vikings. Okay. Wow. Okay. okay that's, Michael um, Bennett. He's actually, <laughs> yeah, he might be in one of these. So hold on a second. So 2000, 2002. So 2001 was the absolute, was Corey dying, right? And yep. all that bad stuff. And so this yeah, is. This is like so rebuild this is Ty- time. This so Mike this Tice. is Tice's first full year. Yep. All right. So okay. we'll start this one. How many wins did the 2002 Vikings finish with? All right, let's talk this over here. Right, so they went to the, they went to the NFC Championship game the 2000. in two thousand. Yep, two thousand one. Two thousand one, they went five and eleven, and Denny Green was fired. Yes, but but he took the high road, so don't ever forget that he did take the. You high can road. find me on the high road. Two thousand two yeah. was also a bad season, but I don't know that it was a disaster. Okay, two thousand two is two thousand two. Just to just to try and talk set up the time frame here. Yes, we are talking. Uh, is 2002, just to set the time frame here, is that the game against the Saints at the Superdome where Culpepper fumbled the ball? I think it was like a two-point conversion, picked it up and scored, and Ticey became this, man, it's just crazy what Ticey I thought that was do. the end of the 01 season. Or is that... I thought, because Tice took over. No, the, Tice, Tice had like three games he took over for Denny, didn't he? Yeah, but there was like Baltimore game from week two because it, it had been delayed by 9-11. He coached the game in 
it might have just been the Baltimore game, Phil. But it was very, it was the very end. Um, but I'm trying to set the time frame just to recall what happened in 2002. They did have that gambler, like the, I do remember the screw it, we're going to go for it against the Saints situation. 2003 was the first year where they kind of they were kind of back. They started six and zero. Yes, and they actually missed the playoffs. So they started Red six and zero when they lost to the Giants in 2003. 2002 is the last year before I covered the Packers. Like six wins, five wins. I want to say that in in 01 and 02, I want to say they had a five and eleven and a six and ten. I, I don't think it was worse than that. I think one was a five and eleven, one was a six and ten. Did they get up to seven then in 2000. No, I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. I'm, hmm. I, I, my gut says six and ten, but I'm only like forty percent sure. Well, hold on a second here. So let, I'm just trying to remember. It helps if I can pull remember back specifics things? from that year before I just. Because I'm trying to. Remember. I want to say 2002. Like Dante had a couple really clunker years where he threw a yes. bunch of interceptions and fumbled all the time. Oh, small hands. So, so 2000, hands. 2000 was his you know breakout rookie season. If you if you think it's six wins, let's go with six wins because I don't have I don't have a sure enough um, thought on the win total to override you. Okay, so six wins. Yeah, six yeah. and ten. Hey! How about six that? and ten. That was some great teamwork. Because, Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, nice work. Okay, so six and ten. We're pretty good at records, I feel like. like we're, we've nailed most of the And the wild yeah. point total, we just we like missed by two points. All right, yep. so piggybacking off that, what week did they pick up their first win? <laughs> this is a, it's a little tough. Boy, I, don't, I just don't remember enough mm-hmm. specifics. Um, 2002. Yeah, this is where I, I, it would be nice to have a schedule without the wins and losses, but I don't know that we can pull that up without right. just uh, basically damaging. Okay. I mean, I, I could do that. Can you read through the, yeah. just the games? I the could do that. Opponents? Okay. okay. Week one was at Chicago. Okay. Week two. Give us like the first six games. They, sure. they never won. Sure. I don't think they started 0 6. So. All right. Yeah. Week one was at Chicago. All right. Week two, home against Buffalo. Week three, home against Carolina. Week four. Oh, hold on real quick. Yep. Was this the year the Buffalo? They- the Buffalo game. It's the Doug Bryan missed two PATs, and on the second one, <laughs> Century yelled, "Get the hell out of here!" Okay, I was thinking, what's the year where Carolina went? Carolina went one and fifteen, and the Vikings were the one. Was that 0-2? that's not this season? No, no, that was. Um, I think that was the opening. That week. was de- no, no was that it? that was opening week two thousand one at okay. the Metrodome, <laughs> and, and Steve Smith, Smith, who I believe was a rookie, returned yeah. the kickoff for a touchdown. That's right. So right. that was the year before. So week four was at Seattle. Week five was actually a bye week. And then week six was home versus Detroit. So again, at Chicago, home versus Buffalo, home versus Carolina, at Seattle, bye week, home versus Detroit. Okay. Okay. I want to say that they so Doug Bryan misses, I think it was two PATs in the Buffalo game. I want to yeah. say that they lost that game at the Metrodome. You think it was Carolina the next week or Seattle? I don't think they ever win at Seattle. So I'm going to say it was either home against Carolina or after the bye against Detroit. Did they start the season 0-4? I don't remember. They were, they were I, not good that season. No, they weren't. And I don't remember. But I don't remember if it was a, I don't recall it if it was that bad of start. I also think, um, let's just say home against Carolina. Home against Carolina, week three. Okay. Wrong. Was it Seattle? Wrong. It was home against Detroit after the bye. They started 0 4. Yeah, they started 0 4, went into the bye week winless. They were allowing a ton of yards. They were pretty good. They still won pretty good. They they played 500 ball the rest of the season. The Buffalo game did go to overtime. Okay, so that was, I believe, though, that that was the Doug Bryan game at the Metrodome. Gotcha. 
he missed at least two, if not three PATs. It was an awful oof game. And that's the old PAT. I mean, that's like, oh, yeah, like that's guys miss PATs now, but that was the old nope, PAT. No, that's the old chip shot. All right. How, nice. how many interceptions and fumbles did Dante Culpepper oh. have in 2002? <laughs> okay. Um, Do you want to look like parameter a little bit, like greater than or less than? No. Okay. I think we can get this. Okay. So he had a year. All right. He had a year where he averaged like three fumbles fumble lost, interceptions. Dex or fumbles. Total fumbles, fumbles right? Total fumbles. Okay. I, I didn't have the loss. So okay. this was like, like this was like peak bad Dante Culpepper. 2001 to these were these were the worst Dante years. Yeah. And then he kind of got his stuff together for 0304, but yeah. this was like Lenahan. Peak small hands, fumbling, reckless Dante Culpepper. And I know he had a year where he led the the NFL in interceptions with like twenty three or twenty five or like some ridiculous total. He okay. threw twenty plus interceptions. Yep. And I also know that there was a year where he had like eighteen or twenty fumbles. I and I think, I think O two was the year because we did a Dante we did a Dante episode of Purple Daily like two months ago in which I did glance at some of these and I don't remember specifically, but I think he had a year where he averaged three fumble slash interceptions per game. Okay. So it was like 45 or something combined, yeah. like 43 or 45. So it was probably either 01 or 02 when it, it was yeah. at, at its worst, right? Because 2000, they actually had a pretty good year. So he didn't screw up as much. Yep. But it was, so yes. So it was probably one of these two years. So I'm going to say, because I think he had two years where he threw at least 20 interceptions. And this would have been one of them. So let's, like one was like, he might have had a year where he threw like 26 picks. Just ridiculous. <laughs> So I'm going to say it was like 26 picks and like 18 fumbles or something you think for 40 to a combination of 42. I don't know why 42 or 43 is standing out to me right now. Okay. I think if we come within like three on other side on okay. either side, it's probably fair because this is difficult. So do you want to go with, let's go 42, 42. Okay. So within three, let's go 43 then just in case. Okay. In case it's a lot. All right. You're yes. three. 46. No, yeah, 46. Whoa, whoa. 46 <laughs> interceptions and fumbles in one season can for you, Dante. Can man. you guys imagine that now? Like, what would no. happen? No, 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 no. <laughs> because we, we wrote about at that time as small hands, but what would happen now if you had a quarterback? Well, no matter what you thought of that the, guy. the backup for the Saints the next yeah, year. Yeah, I guess so. Happen. If you had 46. Hey, real quick, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking up Jameis Winston here. I'm not looking up anything. Yeah, for... I, I thought about this when I saw his interception and fumble total, too, because it's pretty insane. So Jameis Winston had 30 interceptions this year. By the way, how many how many interceptions was it for Dante? 23. He had 23, 23. fumbles, 23 interceptions. Oh, my God. That even. <laughs> Dude, he, so 23 every fumbles is impressive. Yeah, it well, is. He would, drop, he would drop the snap sometimes. Yeah, he... Uh, I mean, hands. And he only yeah, lost yeah. like because a lot of them were sort of like oh fumble and he's a snap. big he'd fall and he's on big, it. so he he could actually defend himself. So Jameis Winston thirty interceptions. Mm-hmm. Where's the fumbling numbers? Yeah, go to rushing. Go scroll down to his rushing, and they should be on the oh man right corner. Okay, twelve. So he had so he had forty two. Wow, he had forty two well, fumbles slash. There you go. Which McCall? Woof. All right, all right. Randy Moss was the team's leading receiver that year. One hundred and six catches, thirteen hundred yards, seven touchdowns. Who was the team's second leading receiver in receptions that season? Can you give me Moss's line again? Yeah, he had 106 catches, 1,300 yards, and seven touchdowns. So who was the team's second leading receiver in receptions okay. that season? 
So Carter's gone by then. Jake Reed's gone. J- yep, Jake Reed. Nate got- Burleson is not part of the equation because this is two thousand. When did Burleson join the team? Burleson come into the team. Uh, his big year was 04 when Ma, because he had he had a thousand yards in like 04. And drafted in like 04, 03, 03. Somewhere in there. Um, so the options here would be like be somebody they picked up then. Okay. Kelly Campbell might have been a little bit later. Can't remember. It might be a tight end too. Jermaine Wiggins was in the mix during this time period. Was Wiggy there by then? At that point? Why this is like I right thought in he that was time. I mm-hmm. thought he was because he was on the first team, the Vikings team that I covered in 2005. Okay. So, it, and I don't he remember. He was definitely how there long. in 04. He was definitely there in 04. Yeah, yeah. But I don't remember if he was there yet in. So we're talking 02, though. So who are Kelly, the So Kelly Campbell's a good guess. Let's let's just start with that. Kelly Campbell's not a bad guess because it's going to be an underwhelming name. Who were the tight ends by that point? Boy, this is. Uh, oh, one of the crumplers. Did they have like Carlester Crumpler? I don't think he caught a lot of passes though. Yeah, they did. Oh, um, who was the other tight end they had to be? Oh, damn it. Yeah. There's, uh, there's a reason why these Vikings teams were yeah. in transition in 2002. Oof. Jo- they didn't really have was a number Jor- two wide was receiver. Not Steve Jordan. Was, was there a, a the tight other end Jordan named, named Jordan? I had, I had started watching football around this time, and I remember a lot of these names. I don't for the life of me know this guy. Okay, so this is a random. It's really random. Okay, so it's not Kelly. It's not Campbell, Kelly Campbell. It's that random. Holy cow, dude! I because this is this is between Chris Carter, Jake Reed, and Nate Burleson. They didn't really have like this was like they had this a little bit of problem. Randy ratio here. No, they did. They, no, no, not a little. It was. It was yeah. just Randy. His 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 targets that year were insane. Tyson Tyson's <laughs> platform partially to get the full time job was to show red. The Randy ratio. Yeah. So th- this was year one of that ratio. I'm totally stumped on this. I literally wait, cannot on, remember. Wait, 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 hold on a second. There's got to be another. I mean, they ran so many. But they didn't have like veteran. It wasn't like they brought in a. They used to bring in like Greg Jennings and they bring right, in. Right, right, right. It wasn't someone like that. Michael Jenkins who they brought in eventually. It yeah. was probably a young wide receiver. You know, someone that wasn't a high draft pick. This is before Troy, Troy Williamson was. Post Randy Moss. Oh yeah, it's way before Troy. They didn't have like another blue chipper. He was a free agent signing going into that season. And it's a name that you don't recognize at all. Not at all. I our, our football nerds from PFF, you know, Eric Egram sure knows this guy. But I, I do I'm not I'm sure know we'll him. know the name once we hear it. I right. just don't know. I got I can't yep. I got nothing. Dwayne Bates. Yeah, that, I, Dwayne I, Bates. I, I who remember the hell the is Dwayne Chicago. Bates? Chicago. Yeah, he came from Bears. the Bears. I have he no came, idea who he, he is. He came from the Bears and was actually, here's how sad. And, and Dwayne Bates fits the litany of guys that they signed perfectly. Yeah. Dwayne Bates fits in perfectly yeah. with um, Aroma Shadu and Bobby yeah. Wade and Jenkins and that whole group perfectly. Yeah. Yes, Dwayne Bates. I do remember the name. Never would have come up with that. So, All right, what else you got? Yeah, Byron, Byron Chamberlain, Derek Alexander. Byron, Byron Chamberlain. Byron Chamberlain. That's the get. other Jordan. Okay, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a Jordan, but that's the other Jordan. Byron Chamberlain caught a lot of passes. Uh, He's actually pretty good. Who led the team in tackles in 2002 on the defensive side for the Vikings? All right, so candidates would be Dwayne Rudd, because he was like their main linebacker during that time period, right? It would be, it'd be a linebacker. Corey, uh, yeah, I was going to say, so that defense had Corey Chavis, right? Mm-hmm. Dwayne Rudd. Um, Robert Griffith, was he still there? Was Greg Beekert there? Greg Beekert was definitely there. Was, was that the year of the the Vic overtime run? Yes, I believe O two was. 
where Greg Beekert's cleats are still. Was Dwayne Rudd still yes, there? Yes, that was the that was the. Was Dwayne Rudd still there in 2002? I'm more confident that Greg Beekert was there than Dwayne. Beekert, Rudd. if it's the year of the Vic game, because it's that poor it guy's that poor guy's shoes are still in that spot. <laughs> yeah, at well, the old Metrodome. Greg Beekert. Yes. Yeah, 101 tackles Bang. for Greg Beaker that year, yeah. the linebacker. But 102 would have made a hell of a difference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't be on on uh, highlight shows constantly with Michael Vick leaving him in his wake if he had made 102 tackles. I think this Sports Center's made a lot of hay off that one. This one's pretty easy. The last one, uh, the two Vikings who were named a Pro Bowl that season, who were they? Moss, Moss for sure. Be one of them. Would a guy with one of them? Would a guy with forty some odd combined fumbles? No, no, no. There's no way Dante. I think the Pro Bowls actually was still kind of legitimate in 2000. Okay, okay. Then they probably and then they could. Uh, right, well, who are the other? Uh, when was Bryant McKinney drafted? I'm trying uh, to think of the McKinney was drafted in 2000. He was actually he was a high draft pick off of the. Was it th- that year? So I think that was his rookie year, and and he he held out for like the first six games. So it's not him. Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett did rush for over a thousand yards. He oh, did rush. For, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Am I right about that? Good. Can you answer that question? Did Michael Bennett rush for over a thousand yards? He did. Yeah. Michael Bennett's so who, not a bad guess. Who was the good? other candidate? There would be nobody on defense, right? That's. I was going to say Corey Chavis. I think was there, but I don't think he was that. I don't think he's great. Um, it'd probably be Michael Bennett. Let's go, right? Michael Bennett. What the hell, Michael Bennett? Yes, yeah! hey, boy. The Vikings are actually the number one rushing offense in the league that year because of really? Dante and Michael Bennett. Twenty five hundred yards rushing wow. as a team that year. What wow. did Dante rush for that year, Dex? Dante in two thousand two. He probably had a bunch of rushing touchdowns too. Yeah, he rushed for six hundred yards and ten touchdowns. <laughs> Jeez. Bennett had twelve hundred, just under thirteen hundred rushing yards. He had sixteen hundred yards from scrimmage. There. Shocking, his knee got blown out. Uh, yeah. And Randy Moss, the Randy ratio, hundred and eighty-five targets for Moss <laughs> that year. The team had five hundred and forty-eight. So he represented yeah nearly a third of all the targets. That's hilarious. He, yeah, he was happy. Amazing. Well, that's random season recall. That's not too bad, boys. Yeah, that was pretty good. That's not too bad. You, I'll you take that yourself. one. Yeah. The last two weeks have not been bad. Nope, we're back on track, baby. Back on track. I should recall more about that year, though. Dwayne Bates, man. Dwayne, I have no idea. profile on Dwayne Bates. I should remember Who him. was the backup quarterback in 2002? Okay, yeah. Oh, I like it. I was at, this was going to be one of them. I in like fact, I'll, even, I'll throw in a... Oh, I know, I know one of them. Todd Bauman. Wasn't Todd Bauman one of the backups? Yes. My guy, Buffalo Thank, High School football. Are we going St. after Cloud the States? third guy? Go Huskies. Was well, he the third guy or the second guy? Actually, so... I, and I did. The, I made sure I was correct here. Yep. Three people threw passes that year. Okay. Call Pepper was one. Bauman was one. Who was the third? This one one pass or more, Declan. One, at least one pass. He was accredited with a pass attempt. And are, are we talking about a real quarterback here, or is this just a guy who threw a pass? The guy who threw a pass. Oh, oh so, okay, it's so it's not, not a quarterback. quarterback. So who was the third quarterback? Was it Jay Fiedler? By the was point? Aaron Elling on the team? I don't know why Aaron Elling is it. Not Aaron Elling kicker name though. No. No, he's a punter, right? Was he? Actually, this guy went one for three. He had three pass attempts. Oh. And he's not a quarterback. Not a quarterback. Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett, your guess? Sure. No. No idea. It's all gravy at this point. Who was it? Randy Moss. Randy Moss went one for three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, He made a completion for a touchdown. Who was the third quarterback? Actually, I don't know who he threw it to. Do you have the roster Um, in front of you? Let's see. Who was the other quarterback that year? 
I don't know if Bauman was ever the backup. I think he was always like the third string guy. But maybe, maybe but then he played for that. a while, right? Didn't he? Yeah. He got in games. He started two or three games. He actually he had he had one game where he threw like three touchdown passes and three hundred yards. He might have started a game against Jacksonville where they won big. I, I seem to recall that. I don't know why. What a great segment. So much fun. Declan's trying to find the third quarterback from 2002. I can't find it. Randy Moss did find Dwayne Bates, though, for a touchdown. That's where he threw the touchdown, too. I can tell you that. <laughs> I should not have forgotten Dwayne Bates. I'd like to apologize to Dwayne. Well, that's a wrap on uh, this edition of Random Season Recall and this episode of Mackie and Judd. And you can help our podcast a lot here, especially in the non-sports period of the last four months, by giving it a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple. And by just telling friends, hey, these two knuckleheads are still your center hub for Minnesota sports discussion and uh, and tomfoolery you can also find our daily vikings conversations on purple daily podcast apple spotify and scorenorth.com and also youtube.com slash scorenorth see you guys